Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 657. Going to catch you up on some news and notes around the diamond as pitchers and catchers and players and everybody. Spring training is here, folks. If you listen to this on Thursday, there actually is games taking place in spring training. So we're going to have you rocking and rolling there on the latest news and notes. In order to help me talk about all this fun stuff, this is the guy that kind of knows about news and notes, kind of knows about spring training. He has this lefty-righty splits thing on a page with notes to it. Really cool concept for someone, if they haven't thought of it yet, to do for fantasy baseball. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can find his work on uh, – you can find these pages at MLBPlayingTime.com. All 30 teams are there. Novel concept as well. Um, he's also got the Bases Loaded Pod and much, much more. He's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. How are you doing, my friend? Great intro, Bubba. That's all I got. The, the, the sarcasm just – just bleeds through and i love it no it's uh it's just funny i i, I got a lot of, and you you know and we just got them talking about it so we won't go too much into it but um a lot of messages a lot of discussion around it but at the end of the day it's a i'm glad honestly i really and i'm i'll just address it real quick just because i know there are some people that like the gossip about it and a few people that might know what i'm talking about also resource rolling out the lefty versus righty um lineups and that was a huge motivating factor into why i even did what i did because i was like okay i love what they do and i've always said ross resource is a great spot to, and that's where i was like i just got motivated to start my own thing because i was like okay i want to do this because they don't do it and also i don't always agree with them because that's what a projection system is they're not always gonna be the same right so now you have two i look at like now there's two projection systems that are at least worth keeping an eye on i think uh, I, and i always i and that's why it's like people might think i'm throwing shade if you want to call it that but it's more so like a no i just wanted to do my own thing because I it's almost like why you even started doing content in the first place, right? You just want to you just you have opinions and you want to express those opinions. So that's what this was. And then so he finally did it. I was like, great. That's um it, the timing is interesting, but he apparently I've heard, you know, I've talked to some people that know him better than I do. I'm, he seems like a nice guy. I've no no ill will. To be honest, to do this for a uh, to-do list for a long time. So if that's the case, good. I'm glad I motive if I if I if I had any hand in motivating him, that's great. I don't know. I can't say that for certain, but yeah, I, it's only good. It's good to have that. Cause now, and I've realized some of the ones he's posted, we don't agree on. So that's good. Cause that now that just gives you, not only does it give you his outlook, but now it gives you my outlook and why we're even different on both sides of the ball now. So there's good that comes from it. Of course. 
Uh, but yeah, so right now it's just lineups working on the pitching side of things because I really want to do that. And I got some stuff in the works. I just got to figure out how I'm going to logistically make it happen. And if I need to hire help and if I'm going to hire help, I'm going to have the income come in because I don't exactly bring in much money from fantasy baseball these days. This is all out of pocket and for fun at this point. But now I'm also stubborn and competitive, so I have to yep, keep improving exactly. the product. Looking forward to it. So uh, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep watching this and uh, rooting for the best. And looking forward to what you have coming next, and yeah. it's going to be pretty darn awesome because we've talked about it. But I don't want to say anything until it actually happens. Because, False promises yeah. is, is what I'm good at, Bubba. I'm I'm, I'm usually I'm, I'm used to saying this and coming through a little short sometimes, just because I usually overextend myself. But when but, you're motivated like this, it's going to happen. So I'm not worried about that. But. In all fairness, that's, that's true too. But also, <laughs> wh- where do I write these days? Just what? Just for myself and for uh, fantasy pros a little bit. The athletic, you know, yeah. unfortunately they had let me go. Um, I loved, I loved working with Nando and those guys over there. So it was no, it was just budget cuts like everyone else, right? So it's not really a big deal. But um, all that did was free up more time to focus on the site and fantasy pros is literally like, hey, I just messaged them. I'll take these three articles yeah. just so I can have a little money to put back into the site. So that's why it's all the reason why I did it. Otherwise. It's no, there's no, so it's really just pretty much almost like an all in move for the site. Once I find a way to monetize anything, because I'm keeping it free, because I was thinking about how I can monetize it, but now it's like, nope, I'm going to keep it free because why not? And um, that, because I was never going to monetize all of it, I was going to try to find something to monetize about it, but no, now I'm just going to figure it out. Even if I have to come out of pocket, I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn and uh, I have something to prove now. So yeah, so the site's pretty much going to be, it's, it's going to be an all in move once I, Put, uh, get a few bucks from other places but yeah yeah so all I, it's, so it's, it's the first time in my little fantasy you know career if you want to call it that my little since i've been doing this in 2019 it's the first time i've had a singular focus and it's been like this it's been trending this way because i've always had a it's been this type of content for a couple years now right so anyway we can get well, to the stuff people actually want to listen yeah. to so uh we'll four, see how it goes we're looking only four and a half it. minutes this time not six yeah. or eight yeah like last you, time. i was gonna cut you off but you got yourself you're, you're getting better at this um and we will obviously have you on many more times before I'm this sure. is all uh, wrapped up so let's talk about some of the news and notes we'll cover a bunch of it probably miss some of it because there's a million places you can find news and notes with pitchers and catchers and uh positional players all reporting to camp and all these boo-boos and injuries and this and that that are popping up everywhere so We'll hit on some of the big ones here. We'll start in Baltimore. Baltimore Orioles dropped a bombshell the other day. Uh, Kyle Bradish has a right UCL sprain, and it just depends on where you look to where he's getting dra- uh, gonna gonna return to the team right now. Yeah, I've heard it anywhere midseason to like later to like sec- like l- l- last third of the season. Uh, it all depends on where it's gonna go. Uh, in the month of February, on online championship twelve team fab drafts. For NFBC, his ADP is 152, but he's got as low as 328 right now, which is almost not drafted in a um, in a uh, in a fab league, so in a 12 team fab league. So, what are you doing with Kyle Bradish? Because right now he's probably pretty much on the do not fly list for me. Yeah, I'm not touching him with your draft picks um, or my own. I should say, like I wouldn't I wouldn't even touch him if I had someone else. If I was making picks for someone else, who I was getting at. But there's a different saying. It just isn't very appropriate, so I didn't go there. But um, it was a, uh, it's yeah, I'm, it's upsetting. I was just actually really coming around on him too. I really like Bradish. I really looked at him as a safe, solid, secure SP three type. So if I if I went SP heavy, I was starting to turn around. Like, All right, cool. I think he's going to be solid. I think Bradish has a little bit of ceiling there too because I think there's going to be some growth there. I think Bradish can really just take advantage of being on a really good team and just have a really solid, strong year. Right. I didn't look at him with any type of injury risk or any type of anything. I know pitchers inherently are more risky. We all know that. It's not really news. But 
he specifically just looked, I looked at him and I would view him as like, this guy just seems safe. I felt like I was getting 150 and solid ratios and wins, right? I didn't think anything of it. Yep. So I finally came around on him. And now this, um, it goes from being a guy that I was like tar- actively targeting in those middle rounds. Like my, again, as my SP three or fallback SP two to now he's not touched. I'm not dropping. I'm not touching him. I, I have him on a few teams. I already like preemptively moved him out of my starting rotation. Cause obviously he's probably gonna start the year in the IL, but, uh, it's aggravating because you know part of drafting early you hit you we'll talk about some guys where i did hit on them at reduced price but then this guy where i paid the premium for him i wouldn't touch him at all and in a fab league right now i would draft him only if he fell outside the top 300 like that well you mentioned the min pick was like 300 three something that's where yeah. that's where i would take him because that's one of your final picks and you're likely and there's gonna be a period of fab before the season starts in those formats so you're likely going to cut him there anyway, especially by then we should get some news. Or he's a stash candidate, which is fine because he's already doing a throwing program, yep. which that can that can range from a month to two months, whatever it might be. So we'll get we should get more clarification clarification or clarity on the situation with Bradish by then. So I understand drafting with Fab leagues, but it has to be late and it has to be with a final pick, especially in uh, NFPC formats where there's no IL. If you have an IL, I get it, but even then I'm still not drafting him above two fifty ish, three hundred because there's just so many. I, I why start yourself why why pass on somebody who's a sure at least as of right now healthier and a sure thing to produce for somebody who might not pitch all, at all this year i can't think of like a few examples been thrown what the grom tried pitching through a partially torn ucl how'd that yeah. go you know 50 50 it felt like 50 innings a season basically yeah more it's, often than not it doesn't work out too well Tana, i would say tanaka was a great he's always the example in my brain that he got through like 120 plus innings a year but it was very like he'd go through il stints and just get through and he was always solid but um, I, I've heard other like Gallon was another one, but it, then yeah. it was like a different part of his arm, so it really wasn't. I don't know. It's weird, but at the end of the day, it's not very like you mentioned. It's very the fact that it's like a handful of names over the last like ten years tells you all you need to know. And I've already spent more time than I needed to just be like, yeah, he's pretty much off my board. Yeah, he's pretty much off my board. But I do like the part you mentioned that I've heard he has kind of been working on a, a throwing program, which at least tells me he's not like shut down, shut down, which uh, gives me a little optimism. So maybe it's nothing as crazy as we think but it still could be so something to monitor so i don't mind the idea of your last pick see where the more news comes drop him before the season if you have to but don't don't go rushing to get him don't go chasing waterfalls type situation um john means he's a month behind his throwing program which is concerning so what it basically means or there you go what it basically means what i want to ask you is when you're looking at this rotation obviously burns grayson that's fine you got dean kramer tyler wells who i've been a big fan of as like a sixth uh, starter now firmly in the rotation to start the year in my opinion and cole irvin so those last three kramer wells irvin any of those of interest to you uh maybe moving up your draft board i'm muted all right cool um i don't know enough about the prospects to be honest so i guess if i'm taking a shot though i kate povich's name i keep seeing floated around and he got himself some time at AAA last year so I don't know how much more he would need the strikeouts there, but the, oh, the, I remember with him the walks, a huge walks concern there. So I don't know what to expect there. Uh, I had some Cole Irving, but it was by happenstance, just because I was taking him to pair with DL Hall, just because I was like I thought one of those two guys would get the last spot for a little bit there in uh, in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. it's more so a I'm I'm more so going to probably wait and see what happens more than anything. I'm not going to be overly I'm not going to. I mean, for all we know, it could be like let's let's let Povich and McDermott. Those are kind of the two main guys I've seen floating around in terms of uh, potential. Let's let those guys get a little seasoning. Let's try to get through with uh, Bruce Zimmerman again, you know, or 
or Irvin. So I feel like those guys might get first shot, but I think it's the upside of Chase McDermott and uh, Povich that should have your attention. I just, I honestly don't know which direction to go because they both have the same like walk concerns when you look at the numbers and stuff. So maybe Cole Irvin's a safe play, but if you want to take an upside shot, take an upside shot on one of those guys and see what happens in spring. Yep, I don't mind that for the fifth guy. I'm going Tyler Wells as a four. Take have your fun questions. there. We have questions in the in the in the stuff. I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we have a few, a few that we could talk about, a few that we can't. But we uh, no, not on my show. I can't. Oh, uh, but uh, so that that's Baltimore Force. Let's go to Boston here. Jaron Duran. Um, they officially announced him as the leadoff hitter, which I kind of expected the whole time. I thought that was surprising, but hey, here we are. They said it, and insane. So we've seen the ramifications change. His ADP is 154. He's gone as high as 133, though, since that news has come out. So are you willing to pay a price like this on Jaron Duran? Because, like, the talent's there. We we, we like Jaron Duran. The offense, versus at least the top half of Boston's offense, should be pretty good. But it's more of a, you know, maybe 15 home run guy if he runs good with a 25 steal upside. Uh, or maybe I'm, I'm underplaying him. Maybe, maybe there's more to that. But uh, what are your thoughts on Duran now being the leadoff man? Well, as you mentioned, and maybe it's because we've been talking all season, but I never really viewed him as not leading off. Duran was always the leadoff guy in my brain. Now, maybe not against lefties. I've since moved him up there because I think they're going to give him that chance. They're going to give Duran that chance to lead off the whole time against, like, and see if he can hold his own against lefties. I truly think that that might be what we get. Plus, they don't really have, for against lefties, they don't really have a guy like, other than like a story or an O'Neill. I don't view those guys as leadoff guys, though. So I'm wondering if we can just if they just let them, let them run with it. I mean, last year they let Verdugo lead off at times, and Verdugo's lefty, so it gives you a little bit of uh, reasons for optimism as to why they might let Duran get a shot at leading off for lefties. But even then, we're still talking about full time playing time for Duran. But um, at the end of the day, I think, and you know, I'm pretty high on him. I, I I've been getting people. I've been trying to play the ADP game in DCs. And people have been actually jumping him even before the news. So I started missing out on him in those later DCs. But I always looked at him like kind of a solid like runs, some batting average. He won't be great, but he's gonna be good. I think I think some of that batting average will come down for Duran. But um stolen bases and a little bit of pop, not a zero. So it was almost like a poor man's horner was like in my brain. Very poor man's because the batting average is probably gonna be like 20, 30 points different. But it was the skill set, like just there's a little more power there for Duran. But at the end of the day, it was like if he gave you 10 home runs. 25 to 30 stone bases and hit 260. I feel like that's kind of what, uh, I feel like that's kind of what I, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility in my brain. When I think of Duran, what do you think of Duran? Like that's where I'm at with him. And I think he's a very solid pick And that two at one I'm still willing to take him there. I think I don't mind. I mean, he's got a very, very good floor. Maybe he hits his ceiling, but I also, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if it's, you know, 15, 25, which is still fine there. Hopefully he's your outfielder three, I'm guessing. But that's the thing. If you you pass on speed, it's more so like he's a roster build guy. He's he's basically Christian Yelich. He's a roster build guy. That's what I'm saying. If you, you you know how people like, okay, if you go uh, realistically, what's a realistic start? Freeman in the first and a pitcher in the second? Well, let's just say, though, he's going like 40, 50 picks after, maybe even 60 picks after Christian Yelich right now, so. That's something to think about. And and they probably, I mean, and Yelich probably carries more. I would say Yelich carries more injury risk, but 100%. Um, it's still the thing of, so uh, Duran's not like a non-injury risk at this point. You know, we've seen him kind of get dinged up here and there, but at the end of the day, if he's giving me, like right, like last year, t- eight and 24 over 100 games, and that turns into, like you said, 15, 25 even, 
it's more so a it goes back to roster build at 130 i can i can you can argue higher you can argue lower it's going to depend on how the rest of the draft unfolds he's that guy that he's going to fit some teams better than not so there's no set price in my brain but like i'm am i willing to pay 130 absolutely if i have to for duran because if i if i like if i like i said if i started freeman who's not a zero steals but he's not like a stalwart and then um then i go pitcher and then i go closer or like i'm just picturing going down a 15 a 15 team board right now by the way yeah so um, you know how that can get missed, you know. Well, 15 is much better because you need those kind of floor guys that are 100%. But not only, not only, not only the floor, you just also you get, there's also a way to build your way out of like, oh, crap, I forgot to get steals early. Because everyone yeah. always thinks steals are easy to come by. They are until they're not. Yeah. So you can, build, you can build yourself in a way like, oh, crap, I built really strong four-category base. I got really strong pitching. I forgot to get speed. This guy suddenly is a guy you should be jumping up your board. But if you don't need speed, there's not enough. There's not enough, there's not enough juice in the other categories, in my opinion, to justify jumping his ADP if you don't need speed. So, but but because he's not just a rabbit, there's more. There's there's more reasons why you can feel confident jumping his ADP. But then the day, that's how I view Duran. Very very team specific. Do I need that skill set or not? Not a must get guy, but a guy I really do like at cost. And that's where I will 100% agree with that. Like I'm not forcing myself to get Duran. I like Duran. I've had I have shares of Duran, but he's like you mentioned. People are really like Duran and they're they're going for him. They're they're reaching for Duran, it feels like and his news just pushed it up more, which is I guess why we like MLBplayingtime.com because we've been on that from the get-go and could take advantage of those situations. Another thing you can find at MLBplayingtime.com is the person that is behind the genius behind left-handed and right-handed splits on a screen and everything loved Colt Keith from the get-go and had Colt Keith already in the Detroit you know lineups. He had great expectations there. Now Colt Keith gets you know paid, gets a little incentive, which makes it looks like he'll start with the team, but um, you still he's not coming at a premium, I guess. Two eighty six ADP as high as two fifty one. He's a uh, third base eligible in the NPC right now, but looks like he's going to play second base, Curlin. So how are we feeling? Like I wanted to give you a chance to talk about him because this is your dude. <sighs> so I liked him before the price went up because. Cole Keith is a guy that I found the value was finding the fact that he had a projectable playing time, path of playing time that wasn't in the projections that when they dropped. Right. So if you're drafting early, a Colt Keith type made a lot of sense because when you looked at that team, you saw that it was Zach McKinstry or Matt Veerling and Matt Veerling made sense to get some run, but even he's still being talked about possible platooning now McKinstry. I'm like, he, we know he, we know what he is. He's better served as a utility guy. And then, so because that you do these lineups, you start looking at these lineups. You're like, wow. And the and the Tigers in the past, at least, have been pretty aggressive with their with their prospects. But Cole Keith had nothing left to prove in the minors. Some decent numbers was a guy that just was a guy that stood out for sure. But then you start looking at it, and you're like, wow. Okay, so why is he not only like he should definitely be close, to like breaking camp, if if not a early call up. So that's what turned me on to him. And I real, and then you realize, um course for some reason i'm having a hard time finding the numbers because I, I had it up and then i got caught up doing something else because that's what i do when my, my brain breaks but uh so not only was there a clear opening at second base he played the big thing was is did he play there last year colt keith played 41 games there last year colt keith also uh had 27 home runs across double a AA and triple a so, so so right there the power was there plus plate discipline there was just reasons a bunch of reasons to like their skills there were skills there there was a fantasy skill set and a path to playing time. And when you pair that together on a guy that has no projection at all, that's already a win. So you already found a um, a, a spot in the market where there's a market in, inefficiency. 
mm-hmm. and path to plus EV. So that was where I liked them. But now, you know, if you say so, take the projections for them now and you plug in the playing time, which now my playing time projection, which was very, very like middle ground where it's supposed to be, was pretty much in line with all of them now. He he makes sense around pick 250, 300. And I've seen him go higher. I've seen him go lower. And but right there is where I like him around 250 ish, maybe 300. If he, if he falls, he's not a must get guy, but it's nice to know he's going to gain second base. So right there, he's going to be third base, second base, middle infield, corner infield, more valuable in 15s. Unfortunately, the park does him no favor. So Colt Keats can be hitting one of the parks that will sap his power. Plus, he's a rookie. There's always room. There's always potential for struggles. I think he's a solid, more of a foundation of solid, safer floor type than a ceiling play. And if he and the projections are not great on him. So it's like now, like I say, he's he's kind of going. I don't think he's the type of guy that should be pushed up. Maybe he will get pushed up for some reason, but I don't view his skill set as a guy. It's like, oh, you got to push this up. He's not Langford. He's uh, Cole Keith is not um, who's the other uh, uh, trio. He's not those guys. And the skill set, it feels very Alec Bohm ish with more power but very similar like i trust the plate skills i trust the batting average will be decent i just question the power more so because of the park not because of his potential yeah that, that's fine i'm just i'm curious like the alec bomb comp i've never been an alec bomb guy we have an alec bomb question later that we'll get to you, but and maybe that's why the name's uh, in my head but that's kind of where i look yeah. at this guy i just no, look at this it's fair it's look fair. at this i look at if you look at the projections the projections give him like 120 13 home run, 120 yeah. a game 13 home runs batting 246 that's not that's not even like the world on fire, but that's, that's more yeah, like and, and no and no speed to top it off. So it's just a, yeah, a, very, very minimal stone base. It's almost zone. it's almost like the end of career Jonathan Scope, not mid yeah, not mid career. Ryan but, McMahon almost like Ryan McMahon feels very kind of like close, he never hits close. on yeah. So it's like so, but that's the thing, and I'm saying Ryan McMahon because if Keith plays 145 plus, his line will be closer to 20 to 25 home runs. He'll hit around 250, 260. And I think that's a fair. So that's it's just not a, it's just not it's not sexy. It's not flashy. That's why expectations, in my opinion, should be kept kind of low. But I still think that he's a very solid, safe pick, and he's better for 15s and 12s. All right, let's go to Boston real quick. Here we got Tyler O'Neill. You and I both kind of expected him to have the job while healthy. That's always the uh, the problem with Tyler O'Neill. But the Red Sox came out this week and they made it. They said it basically. Uh, O'Neill will be a full time outfielder. Connor Wong's the full time catcher, who I've always said in deep, deep formats. Connor Wong's a fine catcher too, if you need to. I'm not going to crush you, but not going to like save you. But for Tyler O'Neill, you know, you look at the projections here, and again, health is always the the big factor. But uh, let's look at the bad X for instance: 125 games, 23, 15, 252. That's pretty solid if he gets to 125 games, and you know, if he gets to 140, we know the potential of Tyler O'Neill. Uh, in in February OCs, O'Neill's got a 216 ADP as high as 184. Are, are you in on Tyler O'Neill this year? Or does the injury concerns from previous seasons scare you off of him? How do you ignore these comments, by the way? But anyway, I'm doing my best. I'm reading. I feel like we should just address them because this will sell no. your show way more than any of this. Co- I don't need to sell my show. Oh, you know what I mean? Like people, people, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm people come like, to hear you talk for 80 percent of it. Continue. So, so why not just these comments, which are really funny anyway. So Tyler O'Neill, um, I I'm fine with him. I'm not, it's just, will he stay healthy? We know the upsides there. We know there's low power, little speed. I've, I, I think I tend to stray, stay away because of the new price scares me just because I feel like there's a easier path to failing than there's to succeeding as the price climbs. And especially when we see him in spring, if he's batting, like right now I have him batting second against right, uh, lefties and third against righties. And I think I might be a little aggressive there, but then, when you look at this lineup, it's so lefty uh, loaded. 
I just don't know. Are they going to like? Are they going to say, okay, story, we're going to give you that shot to bat third again? But they kept batting, batting story lower in the lineup, like against righties at last year and the year before even. So I don't. That's why I was like, let's see. I think they're going to give O'Neill a shot to go there first. But regardless, we'll get some answers sooner than later, right? So say O'Neill actually does my predictions right in terms of where he bats in the lineup. You're going to tell me a guy batting top four in the lineup every day at, um, with a power and speed combination, and we know the ceiling is 34-15. He isn't going to – that's what he did that one year. O'Neill's not going to flat board. So I'm, if you're not in now, you're not going to be in at the reduced – at the price that's probably going to climb if things do go the other way as soon as we start getting these spring lineups, which will be coming out here in a couple of days, which I'll have them all on the site. So there's that. But – um. Well, let's see, let's see if I'm the only site that has them. Well, okay, what, sorry. What, 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 what <laughs> website is that again? MLBPlayingTime.com. Yeah, yeah. Which MLBPlayingTime.com, which which is funny because I actually tried doing MLBPT.com to help. Like, hey, let's shorthand this. It's already owned by sure, an Asian. There's nothing shorthanded with you when you're describing something. Well, so it was owned by away. it's owned by an Asian gaming site. Like, I, if you type in MLBPT.com, it'll send you over to like it's an it's Asian lettering. It's, it looks like a gambling site. I'm like, this is probably not legal. How did my computer even let me go here? But I was like, why? So I was really like, that was really sad. That made me, it made me I was thinking to myself, because I would have liked to have just both options. Like people want to do five letters.com, like type of thing. Okay. I've been, that's for another know. show. Yeah. Let's move on to the Atlanta Braves here. Uh, you are a special human being. Um, Jared Kelnick. And this is kind of a fun one because uh, Kelnick, I think most of us thought, you know, he makes sense to be in a platoon, kind of like we saw Eddie Rosario in the past and some other guys in Atlanta just kind of, checked out there but the Braves have come out and said they want to do everything in their power as long as Kellenick's not completely you know pooping the bed out there they want they want Kellenick to be the everyday outfielder for the Atlanta Braves which is very very enticing because now his ADP is 211 as high as 153 since this news dropped and you uh, on MLBplaintime.com versus lefties and righties he's projected to hit eighth overall you look at his projections uh the bad x 125 games 17 homers 16 steals 244, honestly, not far off from O'Neill. Like a little fewer home runs and slightly less in batting average. But on paper, Kellenick has shown to be a little more durable, I would hope, at least in the last few years. So what's your thoughts on this Kellenick thing? At, uh, you know, I'll, Let's just go with his high right now is 153. Uh, again, 211. O'Neill is a 216 as high as 184. So Kellenick's been going a little earlier of late. But what's your thoughts on Jared? I think people trust Kalnick's um, health a little more, but also they still dream on the upside. Problem is, is kind of the Michael Harris effect where people always fade Harris is that, um, and maybe I need to flip those two against lefties, but I, the reason, the only reason I put Harris behind him is because the whole double leadoff thing. I thought Harris might fit better as a double leadoff than Kalnick, considering how the double leadoff thing does actually work these days. So, but I digress. They're both lefties. They both will be batting towards the bottom of the lineup against lefties more than likely. Um, Kalnick though is just one of those things where it's upside, but the problem is, is I don't want the guy projected to hit at the bottom of the order all year, and I don't think Kalnick has a realistic without injury or multiple injuries. I would think I don't think Kalnick has a realistic shot to hit in the top half until the second half, and even then, it would take a first half of like setting the world on fire. And you're betting on Kalnick finally figuring it out, which the Braves, I think, if there's a team that's going to fix them, it has to be the Braves. If the Braves can't, then I really do think Kalnick just never hits on that prospect potential. With that said, though. I'm fine with taking a shot. I prefer him in shallow formats, fab formats. Same with O'Neill too. So um, I think those upside, those are the types of upside plays you take in shallow formats, like 12s or fab formats, where if they get hurt or suck, you can cut them. I think that there's more. I, I like taking, and it depends how you build for them. I like to, you don't want to take too much risk and compile risk, right? So you either build safety and these guys are your upside plays, 
or you this there's this is one of those things where again there's guys going in this range where there's more safety like a Lourdes Gurriel or Max Kepler a little later than these guys so a lot later actually but like I think Gurriel goes around here I'd have to look at the ADP but um my point is is guys like that where there's like you you can almost write their line in in pen whereas these guys there's a lot of uh scratching it out and a lot of erasing so that's where it gets kind of like but what else i mean i I'd rather I mean, where these guys are going i don't i don't blame you because other than oh man dalton Barsho, i'd rather have these guys over exactly Car that's, Perry carpenter i'd rather have these guys i do prefer speed. i do prefer ward I, I think i trust Ward's. i'm floor. starting to grill on ward quite a bit now that i see he's like confident and got his, his swagger is not the right word but getting hit in the face i gotta see that you feel good back on the plate again now he, he could he could just be saying that because willie castro said all the right things and he never rebounded so that that is a scary thought and i'm nice I, to willie castro he's doing just fine for himself yeah he's he never hit on that prospect pedigree as a, as a bat first prospect um your boy your boy i'm trying to be like uh, 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 uh not like bloom like bloom with the your boy uh rangifo's right around there i don't like rangifo though you know that oh, well you suck shows uh, over but so Sawinski, who Lost. i do like but that's gross the batting average is gross but yeah. similar skill set power speed type of thing um so but at the end of the day where he's going I, the two guys that where it's like either you can take upside with Kelnick, you can take upside with O'Neill, or there's safety there in Guriel, and I would say Ward. I would argue Ward is still pretty safe. So it's kind of there. like how do you build your team? Which which player fits your needs best? Do you need to shoot for a little ceiling, or do you need some of that floor production where you know there's it's safe and solid? Well, Big Willie G's in the chat. He says O'Neill for him. So. Uh, one point for Tyler O'Neill. I'm trying to read these comments. No, and please don't focus on the show. Like, focus. B -b 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 close the close. Um, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. They bring in Eduardo Escobar. They've kind of been a laughing stock lately, at least to, to Jays fans because they're just disappointed in things. But you know they, they've added Justin Turner. I'm looking at MLBPlayingTime.com, and you just look at these these rosters we're looking at here. And I, I liked David Sch David Schneider at one point because of the super value. He should be locked in versus lefties, but versus righties, like you have it marked down here. I've seen the news; like he could be in a, a part time role now at uh, at second base or something. Like, there's a lot of moving parts here. So, with maybe some of these questionable guys, what are we thinking? We're doing. Like, I don't think Eduardo Escobar is fantasy relevant. I don't want him to be fantasy relevant. Let's put it that way. Um, how are you kind of looking at some of these lower pieces that people were looking at value at one point in time and might not be anymore? I'm not touching anything that's not a starting player on this team. Like, and I just, I, I guess, again, this is the only bad thing about doing a lot of those manuals. I still had some stuff I had to edit real quick, but um, because then there, so I go off based off what things are saying, like what, what, what things are being said, right? So, like, they came out and said, hey, Turner's going to DH majority of the time. And when he doesn't make DH, he's going to play some third base and some first base. So, great. He'll get some third base. And that kind of mixes into what they're doing. Schneider might be. Second base outfield. Does, Schneider, does that mean Schneider and Biggio are going to platoon? Does Biggio get some run against righties at third base? Um, I, I pencil in Escobar as a bench piece to give him some infield depth because he I know he can play the corner outfield spots too. At least he could in the past. I don't know if he does anymore. But um, so Edward Escobar is who I pencil in part of the bench because they went out and signed all these random people. And even then, Ross Resource has um, what's his face the the big meat uh, Vogelbach as, as a bench. That's who they project, but. If Vogelbach makes the team, he ha he only DHs. He he's not much of a first baseman, right? So he's pretty much a DH. So if he has to DH to even play, are they really going to carry that type of depth on there? Is it just for a lefty DH? I don't think they would. I know they need a lefty bat, but they can go about it a different way. And maybe that's why Escobar as a switch hitter may make more sense for them. But if if so, if Vogel say Vogelbach does make the team, right, and has to DH, well then Turner has to play third base, which makes 
more often, which makes the mess even more messier. So Biggio already kind of, kind of like gets in the way is already kind of like limited. And then Schneider, he's kind of the guy that went from having a spot to like, well, are we sure he's not just a weak side platoon and a utility type against righties? And then you have IKF who I don't see a role for him as a regular player. I can see him on a weak side platoon and as needed against righties defensively personally, just because he's an awful offensive player and they don't, they need some hitters in this lineup and second in the bottom half of that lineup. So it's, it's a mess. It's ultimately a mess. And I'm avoiding pretty much anybody not named Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Turner, Varsho. I'm not touching the catchers because now there's no path to playing time for both of them without an injury. Um, yeah. And Kiermaier is a fun, like late DC pick type of thing. So he's not really redraft. He's going to be a streamer in 15s at best when he's running hot. But uh, yeah, it's um, I'm pretty much not touching anybody who doesn't have a regular role in this team. Yep. I had early, early DC shares of Davis Schneider and that is slowly deteriorating for me yeah. with all this is going on. San Diego Padres kind of dropped an interesting one here. Xander Bogarts is going to play second base this year as Houseling Kim goes back to shortstop. You're drafting both guys if you liked them. If you didn't, you weren't very simple stuff here. But with Xander going to be gaining second base eligibility, ADP of 116, as high as 97 in this month, uh, does that maybe interest you more in Xander? It doesn't for me personally. I'm still kind of, you know, Xander, Xander. But uh, him gaining second base, does that help you at all? No, it's his ADP shouldn't move. I think he's kind of like one of those guys where power, speed, low bit batting average, batting top of the order. Next, like, you know what I mean? Like you know what you're kind of getting, type of thing. Perfect. perfect. It does help. It helps when if you're building later because if you know he's going to get second base and you happen to get him and your boy, I guess Thyro, Thyro shot is a bad example because he has the same eligibility. Like but maybe, yeah. maybe Swanson or something. Like if you if you went if you double tap the shortstops in the middle of rounds, yeah. it it gives you that chance. Like okay, cool. I just need I just need a guy to get me through a week and a half, and now I have Bogarts at second. So that's the only time you could plan. Like if you double tap shortstops. That can help. That's where you kind of can alter. That's where it kind of adds a little value to Bogart. It's like, oh, I can put on second base now, but it's not something that I think it adds a whole tremendous amount. Like, I'm not bumping up my board. He's going to stay where he's at for me. And if he gets bumped up the board, I'm not touching him. I was barely drafting him anyway. I have one share, I think. Makes sense to me. Philadelphia Phillies, they bring in Whit Merrifield in a one year deal to kind of really shuffle things up in this scenario. Brandon Marsh is hoping to be ready by opening day. Uh, you have Brandon Marsh actually platooning, not starting versus lefties. You have Whit Merrifield taking his spot, it looks like, if I'm reading this correctly. And then you have Whit Merrifield sitting versus righties. Again, this is on MLBPlayingTime.com. Um, how do you see this shaking out? Is it kind of a, a fluid thing? We're still waiting on more news? Or is that kind of – are you thinking it's a kind of a Whit Marsh situation with Johan Rojas kind of hanging around too? So Rojas has been working on everything, trying to hit better because that's been his weakness, obviously. But the glove is like legitimately one of the best gloves in center field. At least it was last year. He was legitimately one of the best defenders in center field. Brandon Marsh. Now, this was before the signing of Wit, but Brandon Marsh went out of his way to even make comments about how they are excited for. I mean, it could be just, just, you know, you're just team talk, right? Like people are just talking because that's the right thing to do. You, You say they're saying the right things, right? So. He was saying that like they're excited to have Rojas in center covering, like he said, nine-tenths of the outfield. I don't know if he was just excluding the one-tenth that Cassianos plays because Cassianos doesn't play any outfield defense. But uh, him and Marsh and, and Cassianos are going to be the outfield. You need a guy like Rojas in center field to really maximize that defensive potential capabilities to make the team better. That's my opinion because I think defense is very important. I think the team recognizes that and wants to have him be a defensive like a defensive star, he will he'll lose he'll lose playing time in like late in games, you know, pinch hit appearances, etc. 
But I think that defense alone will be a big reason why he gets some run, but the bat has to be a little better. It was just a lot of bad luck. There's like no punch. And that speed will only get him by so much, you know. So Rojas is very much a we have to see what happens in spring. They but they've I think the team itself has pretty much said, like, hey, it's his job to lose. Like, so okay, cool. I plugged him in as a center fielder. I think he can lose at bats against righties late in games, stuff like that, as needed, whatever. Whit Merrifield came out, and that's why I posted the uh, video of him talking about like he pretty much wasn't guaranteed, like he turned down a guaranteed starting second base role to come play here. And he said he, he said he said the right things of saying, um, I'll do whatever they ask of me, basically. If he, they want me to be, he's like, if they want me to be a cheerleader, I'll do that for 162 games. And Whit Merrifield's like, I don't think that's what they brought me here for. But it sounds like Merrifield wasn't promised anything, which is a big deal because a guy like, you know, a guy like um, Aaron Hicks was promised a regular role. And that makes a big, that's, that's different when you're promising a player some type of regular role. Whereas, Hey, we're signing you. You chose to be here. You're going to do what we ask. So, and Merrifield isn't Merrifield of old. He's been a no. below average bat. People well, he's, hold, he's perfect to platoon right now. He, he's perfect. Not only is he perfect to platoon, but he's also, he, but he still is a solid defender. He was still a very good defender in, out in the outfield last year too. So that's why I was like, he can, he'll definitely play against, uh, he'll definitely hit the weak side of a platoon. Don't know why, um, why he won't. It's just a matter of um, I think it's gonna be up to Marsh's health and Rojas's potential to hit how much Merrifield gets in against righties. Not to mention he'll he'll utility he'll play second base to give Stott some days off against against some guys. He'll he'll do stuff like that. He'll play, he'll be able to move around the field as needed. So yeah, I think um, I think that's his role. I think he's kind of like the fourth right now. He enters the year as that super util versus righties and so with weak side platoon at bat. So two three games a week, four games on a good week type of thing for Wit. Entering the year until unless Rojas just completely sucks, then then what's an everyday guy? But yeah, that's fair. And I, I like the Rojas call because uh, ADP is around three fifty. I've loved him in DCs as a late guy because you mentioned the glove first. He's a, a phenomenal defensive player that if he keeps the bats going, tons of speed too. So be fun to keep him out there. I love Marsh also. So Wit kind of puts a damper on that potentially, but we'll see how that all plays out in Philadelphia. Very good team. So whoever kind of gets the advantage there. We'll have some nice fantasy appeal in the right type of formats. Let's go to Shane Boz. Um, this one is hilarious to me because many people pounding drums on this is the next guy. You need to draft him this year. He's going to be amazing. And I could still just be having fun with this. Maybe I'm you know, subtweeting this whole thing as we speak. But um, when you look at Shane Boz, he's saying he hopes to return later this summer. That's his plan. Like His goal is to return later this summer. Very vague. We don't know what later this summer means. Um, this could be like beginning of June. This could be July, August. Who knows? We have no idea. The fun part for me is with all that uncertainty right now, Curlin, in February in uh, OCs, ADP of 188, as high as 147. Um, I want nothing to do with Shane Boz for other reasons besides the fact that um, last year he he didn't throw a major league inning last year. To top it off, but the dude hasn't thrown like he threw in 2022. He threw 40 innings, 21, he threw um, about 90 to 100 innings. So he's really never gone deep either. So, what's your thoughts on Shane Boz and this price tag? I think we're going to see the price tag actively fall, especially now with the news. We're going to see it be closer to 250, 300 range as well, especially in 12s, especially in um, OCs, because people are still going to stash him. I think he's a stash candidate, but you have to be very comfortable turning and burning if you're stashing a guy for two to three months, right? Because that's what we're expecting, probably two months or so, give or take. Yeah. I'd say June, if you're, I'm thinking late June, early July, probably. So 
if that's the case, I don't. I no, I won't be stashing for that long. Yeah, I not me. And I, I made the mistake. Look, I got lucky that Woodruff was worth it last year. But looking back, I don't think I stash a guy that long again because what I think there's more likely to be it's more likely to turn out to be like a Rodon type situation than it is to be a Woodruff situation when you stash a guy, right? You're just more likely. I feel like I feel like I hit on the one percent of the one percent outcomes stashing Woodruff for like four months last year. Whereas the average outcome is not going to be that for a player. So I think even though it's like, one of those things where I learned my lesson, even though I had a pro- pro- uh, positive outcome, I like the idea of stashing a guy, but a guy that's going to cost what it's going to cost to stash him in Baz, it's harder for me to justify because, because I'm going to be passing on players that can actively oh, help wow. me better, but also I won't want to cut him. Whereas I'm okay cutting, you know, Christopher Morrell apparently, but um, <laughs> I'll never let that go. But yeah, yeah that's, but in realistically, like that's the type of guy when, when you're, I like my stashes to be, Hey, this guy has upside towards the end of my draft. And if I want to hold on to him for a month, I'm good, but I don't want to have to hold on to a guy for two or three months and hope for that 80th percentile outcome versus the 50th percentile outcome. And usually those guys that are costing you more at the draft table anyway, like Rodon did last year. And um, but Baz, I think, is going to drop to a point where maybe he does get more appealing to stash. But like Bradish is a guy that I won't, I don't want to stash because that's so much volatility. But 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 Baz, you know, is going to pitch. It's just a matter of when. So it's like it's like Walker Bueller is kind of in that same discussion now. Like I don't know when I want to take them because I just I value having guys earlier. But then these guys come back and do well. You hate missing out on that because now these guys are so good for four months and you're over here trying to stream or hope that your guy is like good enough from start to start to get you. So it's like, there's pros and cons. It's, you have to weigh that it's, it's a risk reward. You have to weigh it and health, your own, your team's health will dictate if you can even afford to do that throughout the season. Anyway, the bottom line is bottom line is as his current ADP, it's a humongous risk for a stash situation. You're passing on so much at that, at that point in time, Uh, Carlos Rodon velocity through the roof for his standards is what I'll say. He's kind of sitting around 97 right now. It's getting everybody all hot and bothered on the Twitter uh, about him. And he's gone as high as 117 now in the month of February. Are you willing to pay that price tag for Carlos Rodon? I haven't been able to. I, I think it's great seeing Rodon throw hard mean, in, with meaning, you know, meaningless pitches, but still he's throwing harder again. His is back up. He seems healthy. I... I just feel like I want to believe that there's probably a happy medium between last year's version, obviously, and maybe the expectations coming into last year. Maybe he's even closer to that guy. I have a hard time paying the price. And I think it goes back to how much am I really missing out on if I taking the other options that are going around him. So Rodon's a guy that I haven't landed on. And I think I'm just, I'm just, I'm scared to be stuck holding the bag on that but I'm more open to it in fab formats where you can drop and move on. And that's where it comes into building your team and risk tolerance and all that. So I I'm still, I'm trying to shift away from DCs and draft and hold type formats. Cause that's where my head's at right now. And I'm more open to taking a little more risk early on in fab formats, but I like to, I usually take my risk elsewhere. So I guess that's long, my usual long winded way of saying something. And um, I think I'm, I'm pretty much out and I, I have some FOMO. I really do, but I'm, I'm, I'm out right now. You're out right now. That's fair. That's totally fair on Rodon. I'm kind of with you. As like it's int- as exciting as it is, I think I'm out on um, on that one. Let's go to the next one here. Alec Manoa, best shape of his life. ADP 280. 
um, going as high as 250. I still can't stomach it, but I can stomach it more than some others because the ADP is intriguing enough that if the kid tweaks what was going on between the years, there's something there at that ADP. So I'm I'm much more interested with Manoa than some of these other guys that are going earlier. We've talked about. What's your thoughts on Alec Manoa? I don't know. <laughs> uh, can he can he pitch? Like I get great. You lost weight. Can you pitch? <laughs> I want to know if you can pitch well again. Uh, uh, I, I'm fine. The fact that he lost weight, honestly, I know we all joke about the best shape of your life stuff. There, I do think there's always something a little to that, as in like he can at least regain some of his form. Hopefully, he doesn't regain the weight. And not that form, but I meant like form of like producing properly. Um, but yeah, he's not a guy that he's been such a good price to gamble that I, I get it. But now people are the hype's gonna build a little bit. I think he's gonna be a fun like now. If he stays late, he becomes. I mean, he we're talking now. His min pick was one point six over the last. Few, uh, that's that's really early. I can't get behind. Well, who picked him at one point six? That had to be. I, I haven't fixed the dates. Oh, no, I'm trying that's, to think of that's like, got to be something else because I'm doing the month of February for OCs. The highest is 250. So, so and okay, so even I don't, know uh, for, I don't know what format you're looking at, but good I was morning. looking, at, I was just looking at all formats. So uh, I've no, I just ha- I just happened to pull the ADP up and looked up Manoa real quick because I edited it. So I did. So yeah, 250s the min around 300. Yeah, I, that's like your SP5, SP6 range. That's where you're getting into streaming territory. That's where I, I, I'm okay with that price because like, and then you look at the names around them, like you said, you're Griffin Canning, everyone loves him. John Means, he's gonna drop. Um, you have Chris Paddock. He's a guy that you're kind of in that discussion of like one or the other. Yep. I think he, I think Manoa is at a good spot to take a shot on the upside. I think he's a great, I think it's a So now that I'm seeing who the other names are around him, I expect him. I do expect Manoa to rise a little bit. Well, but well, for, well, for fun, real, well, for fun real quick, you just mentioned Chris Paddock. Uh, he's going right around him. He's, they came out and said he's expect they wanted to throw 140 to 160 innings, yeah. but they want him ready in October so that's that means slow play early, missed starts. Like we know how good Paddock was at one point in time. How are you feeling about that? I I just it goes back into the same bag of like I see these guys both as great targets, like great upside plays here because you're taking Luis Severino. Same discussion. How effectively be coming off a lost season, and you know is he going to tip pitches? This is a great area where if you believe in a guy, you take him and. But this is also a price point where you can cut and move on. So I think that there's a lot to say about that. You have to remember, especially in fab formats, you don't need to hold on to these guys. These guys might be worth holding on to for a few weeks, see what's happening. If they suck for a few weeks, you don't have to start them every time. Of course, you're going to pick the wrong starts. He'll be good one out of three, and you'll start him for the two he was bad. I understand how it works with these guys. But in all seriousness, I think that these guys are all going in a range where it makes sense to take your shot. You shouldn't depend on all of them. But you want definitely want to pick your favorite here, and I think Manoa, Paddock, these are guys that if I miss on a couple other guys, I might like prefer in this area. I would definitely consider them. I do like like Strowman's here, and Strowman's safe and solid. But in a twelve team, because I'm looking at your OCO ADP right now, I don't want safe and solid over the upside of what these guys can give you because I feel like I can stream safe and solid. I feel like I can stream an OC good enough to not be mad if I miss on a Strowman. So that's where it's like you got again. You got kind of it goes back to how you built your team as well. But uh, yeah, I'm just looking. I like these prices. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I, I'm trying again. Right now, this is a uh, active like in my brain. I'm switching it to fab leagues, and I think these guys all make sense here because you're cutting bait and moving on if they suck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Nick Lodolo. This is a fun one. Thirty four innings pitch last year. Had a few different leg injuries throughout the season. 
He's throwing right now, but he says his leg is not 100%, and he hopes to be ready by opening day. So his arm's totally fine, but his lower body still is not all ready to rock and roll just yet. And that concerns me for the fact that he needs to be ready to rock and roll for 162-game season, and we're not there yet. So it's like what what's going on still through this offseason or whatnot. Um, currently, ADP of 226, as high as 180, as low as 263. So what are you doing with Nick, De- Nick Lodolo? I've been just nervous as I'll get up with him all preseason, zero shares. So I was starting to get FOMO missing out on him because I realized, I'm like, he's going to probably make the rotation if he's healthy. But this team also, they've built depth. They've built, they they have a team that like, hey, we know what we're going to ease you in, Nick. We're going to let you spend a few extra days at the spa, get those massages, whatever you need. Go find yourself like a, a, a little hidden one in the back alley if you need to. Whatever you got to do, get ready for the season. We got you. Right, that's what they're gonna do, and um, that's sure. what I'll, not sure if you've been in the alleys of Cincinnati, but I wouldn't recommend those. Well, so. I, I I live in Florida, so I mean, Fair we enough. have we have, <laughs> the Florida man thing is real, by the way. That's yes, it is. it's very but, real. But anyway, we digress, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very optimistic. I hate it because I do think Nick Lodolo is still just as exciting as he was entering last year with a far less, a far reduced, like a much more reduced cost. I was I was slow. I was like all right I, I was coming around on this I thought it was gonna be a good thing but the leg thing concerns me because the arm is great it's great to have an arm thing great to have a fresh arm but if you can't plant you can't land you can't plant your legs you can't utilize them properly does the mechanics need to change does he lose velo does he does the mechanics change to a point where he doesn't that he, that Lodolo can't locate as pro, as well does it change where it screws up his arm. Does it, does he do does he do other things to compensate and hurt other body parts? Yep. So that all these questions have me more so out than in now, especially again now he's in that same range of the other guys we're talking about. Why not just take? Why not just let someone else take him and then you go get yourself Severino or the other names I mentioned, the Manoas, the Paddocks. So I don't know. I, I think he's in that. That's where he's at right now because I think there's and there's so many questions in my brain, so it keeps me out on him moving forward. Yep, totally understandable. Uh, Sal Frelick, this is a fun one here with the Milwaukee Brewers. Because uh, there's already optimism as, you know, an outfielder. We saw some signs of life last year that were intriguing. And then he spends the offseason with Dustin Madroy, who's a great defensive second baseman. And he starts working on playing second base and third base with Pedroia. Comes into Brewers camp now, and Frelick is expected to spend some time at second base, third base, and in the outfield for the Brewers to have that flexibility throughout the entire season. Right now, he has an ADP of 305. He's outfield only. He's gone as high as 257. Seems a bit rich for my blood when talking about Frelick. But we know if he does get that flexibility throughout the season or whatnot, it could come in handy. What's your thoughts on him when you're looking at playing time right now? I know there's a ton of speculation because maybe he will platoon at, at certain spots. Like you have, uh, you know, looking at your page, you have Joey Ortiz playing third base against righties and lefties. You have uh, Monasterio at second base versus lefties. You have Terang there versus righties. There's a lot of moving parts, per se. So how do you kind of see this frolic news about this flexibility he's bringing to the table actually affect us for fantasy right now? I just don't understand why they don't want to. I guess because Yelich won't be DHing every day, right? So that's kind of where I'm thinking, like, that's why they did this. They can't obviously bank on Yelich DHing every day. That's not realistic to expect. So if Yelich can't DH every day, then uh, or he could, but you know, Reese Hoskins is probably going to DH. Contreras obviously going to DH. So Frelick's got to move around. I think Frelick is more so more likely to get playing time than Terang. 
Although Trang's defense is pretty strong, so it's very surprising. They mentioned Frelick in a platoon with Terrain. I'm like, they're both lefties, so that really threw me off. And Frelick wasn't exactly good against lefties last year, at least at, at the major league level. So I don't understand why they would even look that route, but maybe that was the one way to keep Frelick in the lineup full-time versus and making sure Terrain um, is not a full-time guy. But then you have guys like Gary Sanchez. He probably needs a DH. So, yeah, I'm just realizing, like, this team is – they're building depth, right? And Terrain – Trang has the glove. Joy Ortiz, I view him as a starting third baseman for them because his defense is, again, it goes back to having an elite defense. The elite glove really matters for them. And I think Joy Ortiz is a better hitter than the projections might say he is. So I I don't, I, I guess I could see Frelick getting some play appearances at third base if he can man it well with Ortiz getting, you know, mixing in first right. He's definitely starting against lefties because that's how he was, he can at least hit lefties well. I don't know. I'm just, it's a lot of moving parts here for Milwaukee at the end of the day. And uh, Frelick being versatile helps his playing time the most while hurting everyone else's at the same time. I just, I'm just trying to put, wrap my head around how, because honestly, you mentioned about Sarah Miller. Maybe those guys aren't guaranteed roles. So I have them both on weak side platoons, both of which have like felt in and out of playing time last year. Owen Miller was even sent down last year. Yep. Easily could start back in the minors. Um, yeah, Bowers, I don't, he, he, I think he's making a million dollars this year. He could be cut. Um, I actually have to update his. I have his stuff. It doesn't matter anyway. Oh no, it's a it's kind of a mess, unfortunately. So that with that being said, although I think Frelick's playing time is rather safe, I still don't think there's enough fantasy juice in the skill set for me to want him anyway. Outside of a DC draft champions type of format. Yeah, I'm with you. I have zero shares. DC does make sense for the flexibility if if and when he gains it, which will be nice. But uh, yeah, definitely not moving the needle for me at this point in time. Randall Gritchick signs with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they knew we knew they were looking for a righty to platoon with Jock Peterson. Seems like just that's all it is. He's short side platoon outfielder. Um, over the 21 OCs in February, Randall Gritchick has been drafted a whopping zero times so far. Short time of short side of a platoon. I don't really blame anybody for that. So, what's your thoughts on Gritchick? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, DC type of name, maybe a streamer in season if injuries pop up and all that. But yeah, there, there's really not much there. He he crushed lefties last year. Yep, he loves facing lefties, and I agree DC because there will be weeks where will be injuries where he'll play more than just for his lefties. So a nine ninety five OPS against lefties last year oh, compared to six ninety four against righties. He'll be a platoon guy for the next three or four years and, and cash in probably fifteen million dollars. So by the time it's all said and done, it'll be beautiful yeah. for him. Uh, Josh Young of the Texas Rangers. He is uh, has a calf strain, which is not ideal. Going to get reevaluated in two to three weeks, which is not ideal because we're about five weeks now, five and a half weeks till opening day. Uh, Josh Young's ADP is one twenty three. It's gone as low as one seventy two now since that news came out. So it's going to start creeping towards two hundred here pretty soon. What's your thoughts on him? Because I am. I'm just, I, I don't like drafting these guys that are already hurt when the season starts, I guess, especially, you know, we're talking pre 280p. So I wasn't really landing on a whole lot of Josh Young this year, which obviously last year I was well, in we, on him. We had a lot of them last year because he was a lot different last year, a lot cheaper. <laughs> and the thing is, is so when you look at his ADP compared to others, it was just a matter of I like other players at cheap. Like I like players as much as him that were going behind him, right? So, or I would look at skill sets like, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't look at, I don't look at Josh Young as a guy that stands out. Maybe with some power, but then Jake Berger's going thirty picks later. If I want their baseman with power, that's the guy. Or if I want some speed, Noel Marte. So it's like I always found a guy that was like 
had similar enough other skills that I just like maybe they had a carrying tool I liked more. So that's when I would. So I, so Josh Young was never a guy I landed on. Just wasn't in on the price. So I have no shares anyway. With that said, I, I'm definitely I'm still going to be. I'm not going to draft him now anyway. I'm just not in. Uh, the guy, a guy that I've been talking about that I think it screwed me in, my, in this last DC we're in together because he went like 100 picks ahead of ADP because I, I got cute with the ADPs, Justin Foscue, but uh, Foscue is getting reps at first base. He played second and third last year in the minors. There's a, a decent little max EV. I think it was like 109.9, like a very strong zone contact. These are minor league numbers for Foscue. I know he played at a, a hitter-friendly uh, ballpark, but still, it's one of those things where he made really, he had really good recognition of the zone. He had some power upside. He has some little bit of speed, and he's 25 years old. A former top prospect of his own. He's a, like a top five, top six prospect in this format. I think it was a first round pick too. So it's one of those things where there's pedigree there. He's learning first base, which if you look at Josh uh, Nathaniel Lowe last year, Lowe had he struggled against uh, lefties, but for his career he hasn't. So I'd be surprised if there's a weak side platoon there. But Foscue has paths to playing time now between Seager being down, uh, Josh Young having concerns. Um, he, I feel like Foscue can kind of be that super util type and see, and then on top of that, the DH, I, they've been very, very open. Like, Hey, if Langford, ma- Langford makes this team, he's not DHing. So then right now there's no, inf- the one place that there is no injury is the outfield. Right. So it makes you wonder, do they not do that? So I don't know. I'm looking at Foscue as the guy that kind of becomes a replacement. And if Foscue has a strong spring, you see Foscue creep into those late reserve rounds as like an upside streamer hitter type. In, in fab formats but really right now he's just he's only dc relevant right now yeah i can only do the dc but i do like the angle when you put that in our ear uh, a few weeks ago i thought that was uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on uh matt mcclain he already aggravated his oblique injury that he sustained last season so similar to the Ladello thing is cincinnati just not rehabbing guys in the offseason like hey here's your note get fixed we'll see you in february i don't understand what's going on in this situation but Reaggravates it. He's going to be shut down five to seven days. Maybe it's just pure, pure precautionary stuff here with Matt McClain. But like last night, our Tuesday night recording of the Labor Live feed, he fell a ton in that draft. He's gone as low as pick 76. ADP still 65 right now in uh, OCs in February. What are you thinking on Matt McClain? Second base shortstop. I was kind of not paying the price to begin with. I like him, but not enough at that price point. His injury pretty much has me just completely like, no, unless he falls a lot, then obviously things change. But I just just off, not because the skill set, but the price already. Yeah, so I had a couple early shares, I think one or two, and then I started falling off the price too because, I again, it goes back to I felt more secure in other players. I found that skill set, uh, someone I can get a little later. Uh, not that I really questioned his playing time, but the fact that they're, they can move players around and give guys frequent days off. I was like, all right, I'm just going to let other people have McLean this year. I didn't really care. So I have one or two early shares. This was like my first few drafts. And um, but now it's one of those things where, like, why? I've read a little bit of an article that was mentioned that he just went too hard too fast. I think he, you know, he's, which is good because he likes to work. He likes to put in that work and improve, right? So McLean has that good work ethic, which is something you want in a young player. But it was, sounds like it was to his detriment. So I don't know. I'm 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 a little concerned because it is the same oblique and the same. Uh, it sounds like it's the same injury, basically, which is weird because not that oblique, he should have been healthy. So I think it's just a new tweak of the same spot. But why is he so susceptible? Is he is this swing? Is his mechanics making claim more susceptible to oblique injuries than the average player? So now I'm wondering: Is this going to be something that lingers all year? Is he going to re-aggravate it again at some point and just pushes me further and further away? 
especially in non-IL leagues, because now there's this random. Now it's like a, do we? Is it, that question has to be there in your head for McLean of, obviously there's something going on that causes these obliques to keep popping up like this. So, okay, yep, something to monitor. Indeed, uh, sit and wait. Hopefully, Tampa Bay Rays they signed a Med Rosario. We know they have a shortstop issue in that on that team. Like we like. Caballero a bit I, I did at least for the potential of uh, platooning late round option at shortstop for the Rays some people kept saying Caminero I kind of like didn't understand why and even before this Ahmed Rosario news there's kind of rumors like yeah hey, Caminero is gonna be starting in the minors anyways blah 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 well with Rosario signing it really feels like Caminero is gonna be signing in the minor leagues unless I'm missing something here so how do you think this whole thing works like I don't know if there's any fantasy viability to Ahmed Rosario but you know everyone got the driveline narrative, but there's there are different factors here. And uh, Rosario has been drafted in six drafts in February for the OC, as high as three thirteen average of three fifty one. So, what do you got here? I'm not drafting him in OC. Uh, I'm him in a twelve. There's like no no reason to in a twelve. So the career numbers, the splits have always been favoring the lefties, right? He just he crushes lefties. Eight hundred six OPS for his career against lefties, six seventy against righties. Right there, that tells me the Rays. And the Rays needed kind of a platoon partner for Brandon Lau anyway, right? Or is it Low? I don't know. We're one of those, Lau, Low. Brandon I think it's Lau. Lau. It's Lau. Uh, so, so Lau needed – and here's the thing. Rosario can play shortstop, but he was like I, – I, I had never looked at the leaderboard. I guarantee you he's towards the bottom in terms of the defensive metrics. It was He's awful. Last year, negative 16 DRS, negative 14 outs above average. Zero is league average for these rates. Negative 16 and negative 14 at shortstop last year. He's There's no way a team that let Tyler Walls play shortstop because of a plus glove and a team that really puts emphasis on defense at shortstop lets him touch shortstop with those types of numbers if he doesn't show any improvement. So to me, I think Caballero is just fine, safe. The defense is a plus for him, was last year anyway. I think they're going to send, um, what's his face, Kevin Arrow down to work on his defense and other stuff. I, they've already talked about doing that. There's, they're not going to rush a 20-year-old. And they've mentioned his defense being reason why. And but, but I thought I saw him taking third base reps at the big league level. So I'm like, I thought maybe they'd work him into shortstop because that's like obviously a clear path with Paredes and, all, and others playing the corners. But I, I, we'll see what happens there. But I think Kevin Arrow's coming up probably two months in was my projection for the playing for the play appearances. Uh, but yeah, I think Rosario just prolongs that potentially if he shows any signs of life first righties. But realistically, right now, Rosario to me, the way it looks like because of how bad he was defensively, the they paid him barely. They almost paid, like league minimum isn't yeah, much one, below this. One point five mil is pretty cheap. Yeah, so I don't see it. It's not like a like a you know you look at Candelaro who's making fifteen million a year and is like the highest paid player on that team. He's gonna play every day. This is not the type. You know, this is not even a contract. Like Whit Merrifield's making eight million. That's that makes you question his role, but 1.5 million says like, not only is he a platoon bat, but he's cuttable at any point in season two. Um, yeah, Rosario to me is a weak side platoon guy with Brandon Lau at second base because between having good splits against lefties and good defense at second base last year in limited time, I think that's what they I think that's what the Rays are utilizing. Uh, there's uh, Rosario for. So when it comes to Caballero, then I feel fine with him at 357. You'd be like worth a dart. On Absolutely. Especially, well, okay. not in OCs. I think it's, yeah, I mean, you unless, you're, unless you're chasing, like you screwed up your draft and you need speed. That's like a dart throw for speed in fab leagues. But even 
I don't even think I want him as an MI in 15s, like if I can avoid it in, in fab leagues. I, I think that I love, yeah, I love him in DCs. Right? Yeah, I think that's where his value is, is where he might because he only he might only play the first half of the year as a regular. You know yeah, what I mean? It's true. All right. New York Mets world is shattering around them on Wednesday, and it could just be false, but we'll see. Kota Singa experiencing arm fatigue with further evaluation to come. We've seen this a lot in spring training. When guys go and throw, they get arm fatigue. Like I mentioned it in a tweet recently. Like a lot of pitchers will get arm fatigue. Like let's chill. But it's a it's a big name, so let's at least discuss the conversation here. Um, if you were drafting tonight, his ADP sixty eight. He's gone as low as seventy six, as high as fifty six. How comfortable are you drafting Kodai Singer right now? I'm not. <laughs> I just I can't get behind paying arm stuff. I know I know it's early. I, I and I hate to have to stress that, but arm fatigue what if it's a dead arm what if it's a shoulder issue or there's an impingement what if a lot of what ifs and i was already not drafting a Senga because he's so dependent on the one pitch and i know it's elite it's a stupid good pitch but i don't know i was already because i just avoid i just like other players more than him at, the, at his call at the cost that's all so i was already i have no shares mm-hmm. so i don't think so i was already i guess out without really intending to be this just further there's no way i'm drafting him right now Fair enough. Uh, I'm a huge, huge Singa fan, so I'm watching news and hoping he's better by my next draft. We'll wait and see, though. I, I need to make a T-shirt, no shares, no cares, but like a hashtag there or something. There you go. There you but go. People, people get offended that I don't no, care. Stop it. People, people get offended if you don't care about and you, their and, and you scream someone that worries about offending people. So uh, let's go to the Cleveland Guardians on this one. I, I even We've talked about this man before. I've written him up in – late round DC uh, outfield options or no corner infield options. And that is um, it's uh date date Davison De Los Santos. I, I probably butchered it. Let's go by De Los Santos uh, for the Cleveland guardians. He's a rule five pick. That's one reason to like him. He's got to stay on the 40 man roster. Right, he's got to stay up with the bigs. Actually he has to have the bigs to make this work. Otherwise he goes back to Arizona. Got a lot of thump in that bat. Um, he was kind of a third baseman corner infield option. But they're already working him out in the outfield because they're saying in camp they want him to be able to play the outfield because they want more uh, more options to get his bat in the lineup is what they're saying. Believe what you wish. I see you shaking your head. He has not been drafted in any 12s so far for good reasons, totally good reasons. Um, are you interested at all in a player like this outside of a draft champions? No. Okay. Just no. He's never even he's never even played above double A. Okay. And so a lot of guys do that last year, so that's a bold bold statement to make. Yeah, but we're talking about at Double A. He he's he has He's had strikeout issues the last couple seasons too. At times, uh, Los Santos. Now he does have power. There's some actual thump in that bat. Like that's a legitimate skill set of his potentially, but not like super, not like crazy power, but like you know above average. But he's he's only he's only ever played. We're talking since being a major leaguer, complex from the complex league to last year, 2021 to 2023. He's only ever played first base and third base. And now you're going to throw him in the outfield. How well did Ahmed Rosario play the outfield for them when they did that? I don't understand. This team is just trying to, they're so cheap. They're trying to pinch a penny out of everything. They're talking about what's his face, too. Um, Esteban Florial, who's been awful at the major league level, but they're, they're looking to give him a, re- a mostly regular role or something. I saw Dave, uh, Dave McDonald uh, tweeted out because the radio, he listens to the sports radio up there. And I was like, that's a great. And he tagged me. And I was like, that's the type of stuff I love when people tag me in because. I don't listen to the local Cleveland radio. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if they're, their guys are out there talking about this guy, like Esteban Florio as a guy, I'm like, 
I guess he's a guy. I don't know. Not I'm still not in on him. I, I just think it's funny that, but it's Cleveland. No, none of this should surprise us, but it still does because they're gonna sit there and try. They rather put Dale Santos to to make a point to use him and get him in the outfield where he's never played before. But they'll they'll send down Mazzaro for a month or month or two just to service time yep. manipulate him. And he's like 25, 20, 24, 25 years old. Like and he's a first baseman. Those types of guys don't usually cost. Pete Alonso is like the exception to the rule of a guy that like. Like he, like the average, like that's the type of guy that he would have to be. Mazzaro would have to be to make a mistake of not getting the extra year. I don't think Mazzaro is Pilonzo. So that's why it gets, it gets, it's aggravating to see a team be such a penny pinching team that they're going to sit there and try to make something out of nothing versus letting the guy that has something to offer a team that needs the power hitting bat in the lineup. And they're going to be like, yeah, no, we're going to send you down to start out. At least that's the, you know, the rumor mill. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's just it's, one thing. So. It's the rumor mill that actually makes sense with Cleveland. That's and so <laughs> that's, that's the, thing, the thing about but the thing about Los Santos is if they if they find a way to get his bat in the lineup regularly, he might have he might be a streamer. So it's like worth knowing the name. That's why I wanted to bring him up today. That's the whole he point. Might be worth, like, he, they're trying to find more ways to get his bat in the lineup. Yeah. So that's why I'm like that's where I'm. Don't mind me. I'm stretching. Um, you know, like in reality, for those that remember, Michael Franco obviously he had a bigger pedigree than De Los Santos here. Let's just say, like somehow, De Los Santos in spring is playing all over, starts crushing balls like Mikel Franco used to do. That's gonna get people excited and at least knowing who he is. Like, will it pan out? Who knows? But it'd be better now to know who he is if say there's a real good chance he gets regular playing time and you're doing a mid-March draft and you can get him in the last round and he has 25 home run, 30 home run power. That's pretty fun. So that's my two cents on that one. All right, Minnesota Twins. Anthony Disco Disclafani is expected to be the fifth starter in Minnesota. And as a, as a Giants fan, I chuckle because what's he going to pitch 80 innings this year? Like, this is what he does. He's much better for long relief. He's much better for opener situations. But the problem I wanted to mention here, not just because this is one of your guys, but that kind of makes Louis Varland the odd man out, which is an absolute shame in this scenario for now. Like I said, Disco's not going to be there all year. But what does that do for you when it comes to draft season for Louis Varland right now? I think Louis Varland enters that you draft him, stash him, and see what happens. And he's one of those guys that you make. If, if you need a tough cut, he's kind of one of the first guys off your bench as a cut because you can only hold on to a guy like that for so long, I feel like. But um, and 15 and 12, he's probably it's a lot harder to do that. But Louis Varland's a guy that I still believe in. I was really obviously I was I was calling him Louis Varlander as a joke last year. The guy he showed flashes, but he just he lived in his own so much. Teams just he it was hard for him to get those strikeouts. And I was watching a lot of his starts. And if he missed if he missed the spots slightly, he got punished because he would leave it too much in the zone. So I love how much Varlander can attack the zone and all that. But it's one of those things where Descafani gets to start. He he instantly becomes an interesting streamer type because have you we've all seen what the twins have done with pitching lately, right? So it makes you want to at least like look at him as a streamer, like a two-start guy. Like if you if he's setting up for two starts in week two or week three, you maybe draft him with your last pick, stash him, and he becomes a two-start streaming type. And, and you get and you get a free look at him as a single-start guy each of the first week or two that he's in rotation. So that's where I view Descafani. And I'm a former Tony Disco guy back when he was with the Reds. I was yeah, a Tony I'll, Disco guy. I liked him when I knew he could pitch a full season. That's, that's just true. not who he is anymore. He's no, so I, I think I, it goes back to I think Louis Varland is definitely a stash candidate. Yep. but that's about it like and disco, disco will have his weeks where he's gonna be streaming books so it'll be two good starts with the twins or something that's cool but he's just mm-hmm. not a guy that you're gonna he's, he's not even a rostered streamer like we've talked about before he is literally you add drop for like a couple bucks so 
Yep. All right. I didn't mean to do this for you, but it just happened to be in the news. Christopher Morell is going to start getting a lot of time at third base because this was something Craig Council said right when he kind of took over that Cubs job that they want to do whatever they can to get his bat in the lineup. Christopher Morell's that is. And so it doesn't mean just the outfield. It means anywhere. And that sign says third base because uh, Nick Madrigal, that ain't it, dog. Like that ain't going to cut it. Patrick Wisdom, we know who he is, but you'd rather give Mad, uh, Morell the chance all day long. So uh, I'm a big Morell fan. I know you even spitefully, you probably still like Christopher Morell. ADP of 199 in February, as high as 167. I'm still in on that. Yeah, I've never. I, I can be spiteful, but it was my fault. I you know I dropped him. No one else dropped him. I was being fully sarcastic. But uh, it's nice to know. So he's going to gain eligibility, right? That's yep. or does he have it already? No, he'll gain it. He's outfield only. If right I was outfield only, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but the thing was, is the bigger fallout wasn't so much. Okay, cool. So if you, if you're in on him, you know the playing time is going to be there. You know he's going to play. How long is the leash? That the, I think that will depend on the defense. It wasn't that bad last year for Morel, the defense at their base, but such a small sample. It's hard to take much meaningful like from the numbers. But having Swanson next to you, a full offseason going in prepping to play third base is different than being thrown to the third base on occasion. Not to mention Horner and Swanson in camp. If you can't learn how to play the field even average with those two guys there to help you and coach you up, then you're a lost cause defensively, honestly. Yep. So I like this. I like that he has. A, I like that Morrell has a singular focus defensively entering the year. I like that he's going to have the guys around him that can help him be better. Not to mention Swanson can help cover some of the, the warts that might be in the game anyway in terms of the range and stuff. That should help him. So what this does though is open up playing time at DH. I think that's great because, like you mentioned, um, Madrigal was kind of the guy just because defensive purposes. You thought okay, he'll play third base. He could do it there but the bat was so subpar. Now it's like, does Matt Mervis come into play? I plugged Matt Mervis in because I'm like, I don't really know who else to put there. Honestly, because Wisdom, I think, can factor, but we know Wisdom's more of a lefty masher. So almost a Matt Mervis, Patrick Wisdom platoon at DH makes a lot of sense in my brain. Mm -hmm. But are they done signing guys? Will they go out and get somebody? Will will they let Alexander Canario come up and be a full-time guy? Because we saw him kind of presented last year. So those are the names that, like, those are the three names that come to mind. And Miles Mastroboni. Um, he's another guy that like we've seen him in flashes, but he's better suited for the super util type, in my opinion. So I think it really is going to be, we'll see Matt Mervis get some shot, shot at it. Patrick wisdom factor in and maybe Canario gets a shot and they'll probably one of those guys should win a stronger portion of that DH spot. Plus I think they're going to like having the DH open to keep guys like Michael Bush in the lineup or like, Hey, you know what? What's his face is on a heater. Um, Jan Gomes, we saw last year, they would play both catchers because Gomes was hitting that well. Or well in, in reality, when Cody Bellinger resigns with them in the next week or so, that really, really, you know, get rid of all these scenarios with Mervis and company. That's true. If they sign one of the remaining big names, then Bush yeah. probably slides over to DH. Yep. That's, and ends the whole conversation. But for now, but right now, I think yeah. Mervis, there's there's like a pulse. Mervis has a pulse right now. It's it's faint. It's faint and it's fleeting, but it's but Mervis has a pulse right now. Yep. Last bit of news I have here. Um the, and it could still just be pure coach speak right now. Robert Suarez. Well, you know, we got the, the, the Matsui, the Wisu Go, and Suarez in San Diego right now, three-headed closing monster potentially. Uh, in San Diego, they've come out and said Suarez is going to get the bulk of the save. That now, again, bulk of the saves. What does that mean? That's the great question. ADP is two twenty four right now, as high as one eighty five for a potential bulk closer. So, what are we thinking on that? 
Uh, I'm just not touching it. If I can avoid that situation, I'm going to. It's that simple. I, I don't want to get involved in it. I think I, I'll take them. I'll take it at face value. I really will because he is also making the most money, if, if memory serves. So I think money might talk to that as well. I think so. So Suarez, I do. I, they might try to. Yeah. They might try to build his trade uh, trade value a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think it's his job to lose. Or, and, he, and if he proves valuable or proves that he can shut it down, then he's probably gonna hold on to it and get most of those uh, most of those attempts. But yeah, I'm not I'm not overthinking it. I'm like I said, I'm trying to pretty much avoid that situation if possible. And yeah, that's it there. Fair enough. All right, let's do a few listener questions and get you on out of here. Uh, one from the old Twitter here before we go to the the YouTube questions. Adam Reckamp says thoughts on Alec Bohm on where he might bat in the lineup this year. Are his splits versus left-handed pitchers enough to bat him? higher in the order thanks as always guys what do you got curlin so as you know he actually did i think he finished the year batting like full time like third fourth third fourth range i still to start the year moved him down just because i, I think they want to get castellanos back in the middle of the order and see how that works out against righties but i think alec bone bats top four i have him projected about third against lefties because he always moves up against lefties he just does but i don't know it's um it's tough i i i I could, there's a path to him. Bohm's going to play every day, though. So that's one thing he's proven. Bohm can stay healthy. He can play every day. So his play appearances are going to be there. And this team's going to be one of the better offensive teams. So the play appearances will compile. I just don't know. I, I think we saw it happen so it can happen again. And it might even start off that way because that's just, it wouldn't surprise me because of how it ended and how well Bohm was hitting down the stretch. For, if memory serves, that's why he was moved up. So, but at the end of the day, um, yeah. So right now, I think Bohm's going to hit higher versus lefties than versus righties. Play every day, bat top six in that lineup against righties regardless. But has a clear path to flip-flopping with Castellanos. If Castellanos goes back to not – like if they say they want to let Castellanos bat lower because he, you know, you know, he's starting to decline a little bit in age or whatever, I can see them flip-flopping and you know Bohm's batting top four full-time and yep. sooner than later too. Yep, 100% with you on that one. I think Bohm will get his just a matter of where, but I think he'll be – Treated pretty well to start out based on how things went. Adam has another question here on YouTube. How sticky are platoon splits and how big of a sample do you need to take the splits seriously? That's so who you're talking to. Well, no, Derek, Derek Hardy has the answer. And it's yeah. pretty much a lot, it's pretty much a lot more like to get an actual answer if if they like the the amount of statistical data we have on them at our level is not enough to say, hey, this is who he is. But teams act on it. So I don't really care if it's enough to say he sucks against lefties. If the team is not playing against lefties, that's all I care about. And, and that's how I look at it. So, um, yeah, and I look at it, if, if the guy, what's he done lately? Is he streaky? Like that's the guy I'm trusting right now uh, over the long term potentially. Yeah, and then there's times where it's like, so people are like, hey, look, like I've I've been guilty of it. Brandon Lau hit lefties really well in the second half. So you're taking a small sample of a small sample because in one year a guy who played part-time against lefties isn't going to – so I've made that mistake of like assuming like, okay, look, maybe there's some growth there. And, yeah, it's good to take note of that and maybe point it out, but it's so – it was he was running hot. Brandon Lyle ran hot to finish that year type of thing. So now my fire alarm's going off. Yes, I heard that. House. Um, so, yeah, sp- speaking of alarms, you should be alarmed if, uh, about the platoons, right? Um, yeah. I tried there. I, was a lot, oh, I forced man, that was one. Close. Was I close. forced it. Not, not anyway. Enough. Uh, but, yeah, so at the end of the day – um. There's there's no stickiness to him really, and there's I don't think a player in their full career gets enough play appearances against lefties or righties that have it would take uh, a lot. That, yeah, that's the takeaway. The uh, opposite handedness does not get the full playing time essentially to especially lefties, give us yeah. the sticky. Yep. 
Uh, Anthony Gialdi says, to King Kerland, what's the number one thing you'll do in the main event differently than last year's championship run? The championship run that fell short. What could have been, right? The rookie, I could have, I could have been the one hell of a rookie of the year performance. Instead, yep. I fell flat on my face. Um, so I mentioned one of them earlier was, I forgot what I mentioned earlier, though, but it was one of those things. Oh, about um, stashing. I don't know if I'm going to be as willing to stash this year. In spots, right. like, but I'm also, but I'm also not going to be. A, I'm not going to shy away from certain things. Like last year, I dropped Morel for a guy that ended up dropping anyway because I was so worried about taking a zero. Which I don't know. There's, um, I think I went a little too extreme both ways. So I got to be a little more cognizant of my decision making for my bench. But also, the big thing for me is the um, amount I'm spending on hitting streamers or streamers in general. There's such big. All the budgets are. Everyone has a thousand dollars to start the year, right? So I look at it like, why am I spending twenty thirty dollars for a guy for a week or two? Just with with what I follow and how wh- how well I'm in it, how in depth I follow things, I can have a list of like seven or eight players that I value with uh, within a few bucks of each other, and maybe I just make them all seven to ten dollars while everyone else is bidding thirty to forty on these guys, knowing that these guys are gonna be off my team soon. I save a lot of money. I just settle to, for who I get and stream them and hope that I'm right that that, that I trust myself in my process enough to know that these streamers won't be that much worse than the guys I'm not spending up to get. So I think this year I'm going to take an approach of being instead of putting the twenty to thirty dollar guys in week one, maybe it's like all ten to fifteen, and I land on my third choice instead of my first. That being said, though, that leaves me more money to like okay, well, like Nolan Jones is a bad example because I got him for cheap too. But maybe later in the season when everyone's starting to do ten to fifteen dollar bids, I'll have the extra money to go twenty to twenty five, just a secure guy I think could be more than just the one or two week guy. So it kind of that's where the money will get reallocated. So I think. So that's where I learned, like, let me be a little more, a little, a little more strict on my money early, save some and save more for the end. Cause if I had, I had more for, at the end, I think I would have continued my push and either been close to gain the bonus cash. Probably would have had a better chance of winning my league. I lost my league the final three days. So that tells you like, if I had the money, I'm probably going to, I probably have a better chance. Cause I probably, cause there was things like I couldn't afford to go after Luis Campisano who went for like a dollar in my league. Cause I had that little, I had to be very, very strict with my moves. That's how strict I was. So I, I realized having money for the end is important. You don't want to leave too much, but more than what I did. Yeah. And uh, so the, those are the big things. Like pretty much fab, yeah. fab, fab management was the big so, one. Yeah. So Gialdi, there you go. Number one thing. He lets it seven of them for you. So but it's all, it all falls joking, into the same. I'm joking. I'm joking. It falls into the same umbrella bubble of, of, <laughs> a, of a fab strategy. Fab, like being more yeah. strategic and more uh, aware of my, my fab spending. All right. This, this, this is a quick one. Jeff Mitzis says, Curlin, are you playing in the CLQ? Leaning no, still TBD. I just can't just – it's hard for me to swing Vegas if I were – because the whole point of playing – He's already CLQ. predicting he's going to be in the top 15 guys. Look at that. That's, that's at what I'm that. saying. Well, you don't play the CLQ to not finish top 15, right? Like you don't If you don't think you're good enough, why – you can't have a defeatist attitude. you got to think you're good enough to, to be tell able to your, and to, to tell yourself you can't swing Vegas now for two years from now is saying a lot too. Well, I, I know my family – dynamic it's hard for me Fair. to go like, that's why i haven't been to f pass bring your family to vegas uh, with you it's a family event now f pass the other one not florida arizona f pass yeah it's F-Pass. It, right yeah oh f oh because it's fpfl sorry yeah so yeah, yeah i haven't been f pass but that one time and it was because my wife like it was cool that happened but it's hard to justify yeah. leaving my i have young kids i don't we don't have the help that hard you know it's it's a whole it's just a family a lack of family dynamic a lack of help with kids so so yeah, that's why I haven't. That's why I've never gone to Vegas. I would love to go to Vegas. I would dress up. I would dress up in a king costume and walk into the draft. There you go. And then Marty's question is: Sup, fellows? I have Bradish in a keeper points league. Do I put him back in now? 
Probably. I would, um, I how sh- I mean, points leagues are usually shallower, so I would think more than likely you could put him back yeah. and um, let somebody else deal with him. And there's a good chance he's a free agent. But the problem is, is um, somebody gets him back. If somebody gets him, depends on again, it depends how shallow. He's probably. I don't know. I, yeah, you know what? I'm probably putting him back because if he makes it through the year, how much of the year does he pitch, and then does he opt for surgery anyway, thus being out next year? So yeah, Radish, I'm probably dropping him. Yep, hundred percent with you on that one. And on that note. That'll wrap us up another episode here, Curlin. Before we leave, MLBPlayingTime.com. What else you got going on? That's really it right now. <laughs> He's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, too, if you're yeah, curious. That's that's where I post everything anyway. Yeah, so check him out there. Check out MLBPlayingTime.com. It is a great site as much as we were kind of having our fun. It is, it is awesome. Looking forward to where it goes next. It's innovative. It's the way of the future. So I can't wait to see where that one goes. But for now, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 657. Catch you all next time. Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.